Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. I've asked our worship team to prepare a song. I don't do this very often, but there are those occasions when I do. There's a song that's been getting some airplay, and uh, it's been around for a year or two, called Even So Come. And it really speaks about the end times. It speaks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I asked, as I'm concluding this series on the rapture, if they would sing this song for us. So would you follow along if you know the words, but if not, would you listen to this great song, Even So Come.
Lord, that is my prayer. I pray that it would be our prayer that we would be like a bride waiting for you, our groom, to come. We say, Lord Jesus, come. Come. Come soon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning is part three of a series that I've been preaching about event, an event that is prophesied in the scripture, an event we call the rapture. And today is caught up answering the question, when will the rapture take place? When will the rapture take place? The first two parts, those messages are online, and you are welcome to find them on YouTube, or you're welcome to find them on our website uh, in an audio version. YouTube, it would be video, or just follow the link that uh, you probably got on your phone. Uh, if you um, have not uh, gotten to those, then you'll just have to click back to an older message. As I said in the first week, I grew up in a church that didn't talk much about the end times, and they certainly did not teach about the rapture. I did not hear anything about the rapture until I was a young adult attending that church in which I was baptized, First Baptist Church in Monroe, Michigan. And um, so when I decided, when I felt led to teach once again on the rapture, I am teaching this series as if I were talking to myself over 40 years ago. I'm teaching this series to those, and maybe there's some of you here who have just a little bit of an idea of what this thing is called the rapture, or maybe no idea of what this thing is called the rapture. So for some of you who grew up in a church where teaching about the rapture was, was often taught, then uh, this may be a review for you, but hopefully a very good review, and for you who are... Uh, watching online this morning, I just pray that if this is something that you've been wondering about, this thing called the rapture, that uh, this series, this three-part series will really help you to understand what it is about. So we're going to take just a moment or two in review. I'm just going to review the key points from the first two weeks. In week one, I dealt with the question, what is the rapture? And these were the points. The rapture is an instantaneous and supernatural event where Jesus comes down from heaven and appears in the sky. Now, Jesus doesn't come down to earth until at the end of the tribulation. But Jesus appears in the sky at this point, and the dead in Christ, only believers, the dead in Christ, are raised from the dead with immortal bodies. So they get their new bodies that are fit for heaven, and any believers who are living at that time, living believers, are transformed into their immortal bodies, and then those who came from the dead, and those of us who were alive now in our immortal bodies, all are caught up or snatched up into the clouds, and we join Jesus there, and we're taken to heaven. That's the rapture. All of this happens in a blink of an eye or in the twinkling of an eye. And then the second major point is it's a selective event. Only true believers are caught up into the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. There will be those left behind who thought they knew Jesus, who went to church, but because they had not opened their hearts fully 
and lived for God, they will be left at the rapture. It's a selective event. Second week, why is the rapture necessary? Why is the rapture necessary? Why does God take us off this planet? Why does Jesus appear in the sky with a shout, with a trumpet, and we go up and leave the rest of the earth behind? Why does that happen? Why is it necessary? Number one, God will once again judge the world. This world is going to be judged. God is going to judge planet earth and the sin that has been committed, the sin of those who have not repented of their sins and accepted Jesus. There is judgment coming upon planet earth. And God, point two, God does not desire that his children experience his wrath, which will be poured out on sin. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says this, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just a sub-point that I just wanted to make sure that we understood. God makes no promises regarding our escape from trials, difficulties, or persecution. In this world, you will have persecution, Jesus said. In this world, we're going to have trials. That is different than the wrath of God and the judgment of God. In this world, we will have trials and persecution. God makes no promise for that we will escape. At times, he makes a way of escape, but that's not a promise. But God does promise that we will escape before he pours his wrath on the earth. Part three, here we go. Here's the question. Pastor, when will the rapture take place? When will the rapture take place? In the timeline of end time events, when will the rapture take place? Because Jesus said, we're not going to know the day or the hour, so I'm not going to come here and give you a date and say, or give you several dates between uh, September this and November this or between. I'm not going to give you that because the Bible says we're not going to know the day or the hour. We will be able to read the seasons. But in the timeline of end time events, when will the rapture take place? That is what I'm going to answer for us today. So get your Bibles and get ready uh, to go. Now, the study of end times is called eschatology. That's a big word. If you look it up, it's the study of the end times. And now I'm just going to be real honest with you. There are many different opinions and interpretations of the prophetic texts regarding the return of Jesus, the judgment, and the end of the world. Since many of the prophecies that are recorded in Scripture, and remember, this is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What's in the Bible is what God wanted us to know. Many of those uh, prophecies were received in visions and in dreams, and many of those prophecies are filled with strange imagery and symbolism. And different scholars and those who study the end times will come up with different ways of interpreting these texts. So please understand, what I am teaching you is the best, my best understanding from the study that I have done. There will be those who will differ with me. You're allowed to differ with me. It makes no difference on whether we're all going to heaven. We will get there, and I have a feeling that after we get there, all of us are going to say, oh, so that's what that meant. Now I understand, because we can't fully understand the prophecies of the Scripture. 
Now, I will say up front, and then I will teach. I will say up front that there are pr three primary views or theories regarding this thing that is called the rapture. There are three primary views or theories. First one, some believe that the rapture will happen before the tribulation begins and just before Antichrist is revealed. This is called a pre-tribulation rapture. The rapture occurs just before the tribulation time. Now, I don't have time to unpack the tribulation. The tribulation is a seven-year period of time, very specifically prophesied in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation. It is a seven-year period of time when God begins his judgment on the world and then concludes his judgment when his wrath is poured out. That's the tribulation. So a pre-tribulation rapture means that those who are believers and those who were believers and died, the resurrection, are all removed from planet Earth before the tribulation starts. View two is this. Some believe that the rapture will happen three and a half years approximately into the tribulation. So the tribulation will begin, and about halfway through the tribulation, there are some uh, events that the book of Revelation speaks about, about three and a half years into the tribulation, before the events of the second three and a half years take place. That's when they believe the rapture will happen. And that's called a mid-tribulation rapture. Pre, before, mid, midpoint, and then some others believe it will happen at the end of the tribulation, just before Jesus returns physically to earth to set up his kingdom for 1,000 years. This is called a post-tribulation rapture, all you smart people who have already studied this stuff and have heard about it. So, I've studied all three of these. Over my 40 years of serving Jesus, and I've, I've heard what this one says, and what that one says, and what the other one says, and I have finally come to what I believe the Scripture teaches, and that is what I'm going to share with you today. Many other Bible teachers teach the same and believe the same. This is what I personally expect. So I want you to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. The context of this passage, uh, it's slightly different than it was in Matthew's gospel. Um, Matthew recorded a little slightly different teaching here. One of the things you need to understand, and this will really help you as to why one gospel says one thing and one says another, Jesus taught similar things in different contexts. This context is a Pharisee is asking about things. In the other context, the, uh, the disciples asked just before um, Jesus went to the cross. So sometimes what Jesus speaks is slightly different. The Luke chapter, or Luke starting in 17, he's talking to his disciples, but he has just been asked by the Pharisees about the end. So following along on the screen or in your Bibles, Luke chapter 17, we're going to start with verse 22. And we're going to read on and I'm going to comment on through verse 37 and then I'm going to make three or four points and then um, final comments. And my final comments fill two pages of my notes, so don't think I'm done when I get to the final comments. Verse 22. 
Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns. The New Living does not do the best job in translating that verse. Most other translations say you will long for one of the days of the Son of Man. There's coming a time when you will long for a day, talking to those who were walking with him, to have one of those days again, to walk with the Son of Man. The time is coming when you will long for one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. Now, people will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out to follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. It's going to happen quickly and unexpectedly for the world. We will be aware of the season, but even we will not know the day or the hour. I've already mentioned that. Now, verse 26. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, I'm going to take a pause here just for a moment. Business as usual right up to the day that the Son of Man revealed. Buying and selling, parties, weddings. I'm going to say right now, I cannot find the evidence for a post-tribulation rapture in the Bible. When the tribulation and the wrath of God is poured on planet Earth, planet Earth is annihilated. It is not business as usual. Much of mankind has been destroyed. Navies have been destroyed. Armies have fought major battles. Mankind is decimated. It's not business as usual. We will not be here at the end of the tribulation. We are gone. Jesus is so clear. In fact, this passage here is what locked in my mind and my heart when the rapture will take place. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But I just want to first of all say, I cannot find the evidence in the scripture for a post-tribulation rapture. Based on what Jesus said, that it is going to be business as usual on planet earth when he comes. Picking up in verse 31. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you cling to your, li your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, the night when Jesus returns, someplace on the earth it's going to be night, and other places on the earth it's going to be daytime. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. When will this happen, Lord, the disciples asked. And Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a car carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Now in your notes, grab your note sheets. Hopefully you picked one up. Answering this question. 
When did God send judgment and destruction on the ancient world of Noah's day? You don't have to answer it. When did God send judgment and destruction on the ancient world of Noah's day? It was after Noah and his family and all the animals were safe in the ark. No rain, no flood came until Noah, his family, and all of the animals were safe in the ark. And the book of Genesis tells us God himself even shut the door to make sure that they were in the ark, they were safe, and they were sealed. And then the heavens opened with 40 days and 40 nights of rain, and the fountains of the deep, the earthly waters, filled the earth and destroyed it. Why? Because God was judging the ancient world. When did God send judgment and destruction on the ancient world of Noah's day? After Noah and his family were all in the ark and the animals were safe there. Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities that God was judging for their evilness. There were some righteous that lived there, Lot and his family. When did God send judgment and destruction on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? When did it come? God did not send judgment until... Lot and his family, after Lot and his family were safely removed and away from the cities, there were two angels that came to warn Lot, in fact, had to kind of force him out of the city. But it wasn't until Lot was away from the cities that the fire and brimstone rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, unfortunately, Lot's wife disobeyed a command, don't look back. Lot's wife looked back, and the Bible tells us immediately she turned into a pillar of salt. She didn't survive it because she looked back. So then comes the third question in your notes. When will God send judgment and destruction on the world again? Based on what Jesus said, it's going to be like the time of Noah. It's going to be like the time of Lot when he comes back, it's going to be like that. When will God send judgment and destruction on the world again after his people are safely removed to be with Jesus in the air at the rapture? We are not destined to experience the wrath of God. Believer, child of God, you and I are not destined to suffer and to experience the wrath of God. Your personal relationship, your opening of your heart to Jesus, receiving the forgiveness of your sins. You will not be here when the wrath comes. Because God said it's going to be like in the days of Noah, like in the days of Lot. The world, for the most part, is going to be going on business as usual. will be snatched away to be safe. And then the judgment and the wrath of God will fall. And that is the next prophetic event that is coming. As I said in the first two weeks, um, Bible scholars feel that all the prophetic events have been fulfilled leading up to this point most reflecting upon Israel and the reestablishment of Israel as a nation in one day, prophesied in the Old Testament, the fact that Jerusalem is, is um, uh, been taken again, uh, and now Jerusalem is their capital. There are 
Probably some signs in the heavens may still be there uh, to come about, but we are waiting for the next major prophetic event, the rapture of the church, when we are removed before the judgment of God falls, and he will judge the world again. Just as he's judged it before, he will judge it again. He judged it before with water, flooded the whole earth. This time the judgment will be a fire judgment. That's what the Bible tells us. It's going to be a fire judgment. The elements are going to melt with extreme heat. So, how do you prepare for the rapture and how do you prepare for the end times? How should you live with this knowledge of the Lord's soon return? This is where I'm going to just park for a little bit to help you to understand how you should live right now with knowledge that the next prophetic event to be fulfilled according to Bible scholars is the rapture. How should you live? How should you live? And I want you to take a clue from the board leadership of this church as to how to live. Let me explain. Two to three weeks ago, I don't remember how many Sundays ago, um, I had spoken my first message on the rapture, and our board meeting followed at 12 o'clock. So as we gathered to uh, eat lunch together and to prepare to do the business of the church and, and look at our finances and other things, of course, the conversation naturally gravitated towards the end of the world and the rapture of the church. And we talked about the rapture as to how we're looking forward to it and we're ready for it. And man, when is it going to come? And how soon is it going to come? And we're ready for it. And then we went and did business. And we made a major decision. A decision that's going to impact us and a decision that's going to still be impacting this church at least 25 years from now, according to Tony, Bar Tony Darnell, who said that's the lifespan of the decision that we're making. If you've noticed on the Iowa entrance, uh, it's, the cement and everything is deteriorating significantly. In fact, we've put some caution tape up there. Uh, if you don't come in that side or you don't go out that side, you might not be aware of it, but when this church was... Um, built and when they was occupied back in the late 90s, that was one of our entrances. Well, over time, it has deteriorated and it has deteriorated and it has deteriorated. And we've been looking as to what we could do. Now that our mortgage is paid off, we've been putting some money aside so we have the money to attack that thing. And unless something holds it up, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, a company is coming and they're going to start the destruction of that. They're going to start knocking it out. They're taking out all of the cement, all of the stairs, that whole ramp. It's all coming down. And it's going to be rebuilt. But with the rapture comes, it's still going to be rebuilt. Well, why are we spending all that money? Jesus is coming. Because I'm going to explain to you how we need to live. Take a cue from us. We know and we want to be ready and we as a leadership team are ready, but we're also making plans because we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know how long it's going to be. So we've made the decision regarding the property, which Tony says is going to last at least 25 years or more. So saying that as an example, but also letting you know, um, that entrance is going to be closed until it's re 
reworked. And so if you normally are coming in that entrance, you're going to need to drive around and come in one of the two entrances over here. It'll become apparent when everything is done. But that's a decision we made. So we're looking at the rapture as if it's in a very short period of time. But because we don't know the day or the hour, and we also know what the Bible says, that God is being patient with us, not longing that any wouldn't come to uh, knowledge of salvation. God may wait a, a, a while. So we're going to make sure we're taking good care of this property while we're waiting for the rapture to take place. Sherry and I recently sat down with a financial advisor and we looked at the next five years and how to prepare for upcoming retirement. But Pastor Rick, the rapture is coming. Yes, it is. If it's today or next month or next year, Sherry and I are ready. If it takes place 10 or 20 or 50 years from now, Sherry and I want to be ready financially. Now, honestly, I don't think either of us are going to make it another 50 years unless there's a major breakthrough. Sherry, maybe more than me, could last that long, but uh, I can't remember. I'm not even going to tell you how old I would be if I last another 50 years. Okay. Here's the best advice I ever received about how to prepare for the rapture and how to prepare for the end times. And let me explain what happened. When I was a young believer, when I was a young believer and first began to hear about this stuff, the rapture and the end times, it really impacted me. I didn't know there was such a thing. And I was, Israel was now a nation, and the Bible says the generation that says Israel become a nation again is the generation that's going to see the coming of the Lord. And so they were talking about it's a 40-year generation, and, and so, boy, by the 1980s, Jesus is coming back. I, um, so I lived my life that way. I was in, in I'm not trying to make fun of the job, but I, had a, I was in a, what I call a dead-end job in that there was no place for me to go. But it didn't matter that I was in a dead-end job. The rapture was coming. And it didn't matter that I never finished my college education because the rapture was coming. And I actually wasn't that interested in, in dating and marriage and family and children because the rapture was coming and Jesus was coming. And so I, I lived with this knowledge and I just lived almost for the moment. Well, just to give you some context, that was back around 1977. And then someone said some words that changed the way that I was living. I don't remember who it was, but it altered the trajectory of my life regarding the rapture in the end times. And here they come up on the screen. First of all, they reminded me to keep watch and be ready. Those are words from Jesus. Keep watch, be ready. But then this individual said this, live each day as if today was the day Jesus will appear and plan each day as if he will not return for 100 years. If you live like this, you will be ready. You will be ready if it's tomorrow. You'll be ready if it's next month. You'll be ready if it's 40 years from now because you're going to live today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday as if it's the day that Jesus will appear, but you're going to plan as if it will be 100 years before he returns. This is the wisdom of living with the knowledge that the rapture may soon come that the end is upon us because 
how long Jesus will be patient with this world, how long he's going to be patient with humanity, we don't know. So we have to live with this, this dual dynamic, living as if today is the day Jesus will appear, planning as if he will not return for 100 years. And after I had heard this advice, I chose to return to college and get a degree. I chose to start looking at pursuing a long-term career in broadcasting that later became ministry. I went to college, and that's where Sherry and I met. And I did get married. And we have three children. They're all married. And now I have four grandchildren. We have a retirement fund. We'd like a more funded retirement fund, but we have a retirement fund. Both of us have pursued and received master's degrees during the last 15 years. And we still live as if today that trumpet will sound. And we both long for the day when Jesus will rapture us to be with him. Yet we're planning as if we will retire, we will die and be buried. We are planning as if we're going to experience the rapture as if we're going to be those who are part of the resurrection. I long to be one who is alive and changed, but I'm also planning as if I'm going to be in the ground and rise from the ground, living today as if he's going to return planning as if it'll be a hundred years. That's how we live. That's how we live. That's how Jesus wants us to live. And it is easy, the longer that it takes for him to return, to kind of not live for today. Yeah, he's been saying he's going to return, and we can easily start living in such a way that we're living for ourselves and not for him, not with that knowledge. But this is the way to live. Keep watch. Be ready. Live each day as if today was the day Jesus will appear and plan each day as if he will not return for a hundred years. And then you just trust God with the details. There may be somebody here or maybe somebody who's watching online that you've been wrestling with whether or not to pursue more education and you've been wrestling with it because you just know that the time is, is getting short. If, if God's leading you to pursue more education, pursue it. Maybe you're called into vocational ministry. I read a story recently of someone who was called into vocational ministry, but they just wanted to get out there. They just wanted to start because the time was short. But they felt the Holy Spirit say, no, go and get more education. Get your credentials, and this person did. And when the person was writing the article, they've now been on the mission field for decades. But they would have missed that training and the effectiveness of their ministry if they would, just would have gone out. So you need to follow what the Lord is doing. Well, well what, what, what if I start my education and the rapture comes? Just trust God. You'll be doing some things while you're getting your education. Well, well, well what if I do this? And what if, I, what if I start investing? And instead of giving all of my money away so that the world can be reached, I start investing for retirement and, and Jesus comes. Just trust God with those results. Because I'll tell you what, if I would have followed the course of my life back in 1977, the same way that I was following it then, my life would not be what it is today. Because I was living only for the moment, not for the future. Final thoughts. 
And I've shared these thoughts. Team, come and make your way up to the platform. Final thoughts. There is a heaven that awaits. There is a rapture that will occur. There is a Savior who will receive us. There is a God who is for us. And if there's a God who is for us, then who can be against us? Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Bow your heads as I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus. Do you speak to us encouragement, especially to the one who has anxiety regarding whether or not we might experience a tribulation. Let them know that you will not allow your children to experience wrath and you will rescue us. You will rescue us before the time of that judgment and that wrath comes. But Father, for the, for the man or the woman here or the man or woman who might be watching online right now who in hearing this feels a sense of anxiety because they are aware that they are not right with you. They have not opened their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ or they did at one time but they've been living for themselves. This morning, Lord, as you are talking to them, May they choose to humble themselves, to repent of their sins, to confess their need for you, and to receive you into their heart so that they may have assurance that when the rapture happens, they will escape the judgment of this world. And if that's you this morning, either here in the building or online, you know who you are. I'm not going to have you raise your hand in the building, and certainly you can raise your hand online. I'm not going to see it. But if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone here in the building to repeat it after me. That way, if you're here in the building and you want to open your heart to Jesus, you can pray this prayer out loud knowing that other people are praying along. And if you're at home this morning, or whenever you're watching this, if you're watching it in a delay, pray this prayer with me if you desire to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I need you. Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I choose, Lord God, to repent, to leave my sin behind, and I also choose to live for you. Lord, come and live inside of me. And as you come, cleanse me of all my sins and bring eternal life with you. May I be transformed from death to life. Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, God has heard it. It's not about the words that we speak, it's about our hearts. He knows, he knows. Many people, when they have this transformation of their lives, they're aware of it, they feel it, they sense something, others do not. Just know that if you truly meant that you want to live for Jesus, he heard your prayer, he accepted you. It's not about what you've done. It's not about getting ready. It's not about getting your life cleaned up. It's about receiving the gift, and it is a free gift of grace and eternal life this morning. For those of you that are 
viewing this service online, we're going to say goodbye to you. Here in person, we're going to move into a time of communion. We're going to share uh, the, the bread and the cup. But at home, we're just going to say goodbye. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm very aware that many of you are there, some in this community, some other places. I just thank you that you join us. I, I, I trust that this series of messages has somehow begun to encourage you and to bring you comfort as you now understand this thing called the rapture. Now, Pastor Evan, they're going to roll a tape of Pastor Evan here momentarily. He's going to give you instruction as to how to uh, connect with us, uh, communicate with us, receive special prayer. Um, he'll let you know those things. But for now, thank you for being here. God bless you. We're now going to move into a time here in person of communion. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.